Nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring today. Robert Half is here to help. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Today on Watching Your Wealth, how to make your kid a money genius. This is Watching Your Wealth from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here's Veronica Dagger. This is Veronica Dagger, and you're listening to Watching Your Wealth while you learn all you need to know about building your wealth and protecting your money. Beth Koblener is a personal finance expert, best-selling author, and most recently the author of How to Make Your Kid a Money Genius. Welcome, Beth. Hi, Veronica. How are you? Great, great. It's great to have you here. Great to be here. Beth, so in order for us to make our kids geniuses about money, Mm -hmm. we need to be able to talk to them about it. And I think this is such a difficult topic for a lot of parents. They'd rather talk about sex or alcohol or drugs and not money. So I'm just wondering, can you give parents maybe a quick tip on how they can break the ice, how they can take that first step or two with their kids to get the conversation going and not feel so awkward? Right, right. Well, I think unlike sex or drugs or alcohol, those start with usually a big talk, right? With money, I think it's those everyday moments that can really break the ice. Whether you're going to buy a car, you might say, hey, want to come along? I'm going to negotiate it. I'm going to get a higher, in- try to get a lower interest rate on my car loan or in In everyday moments, I know one mom who said she went to an auction for their school with their child. And she said, normally I'd have her just sit in the you know, corner and play with her iPad. But I said, hey, you know what an auction is? Let me explain to you how that works. All those everyday uh, decisions we make, choices we make in the supermarket. Do we want to buy this this, uh, brand of tissues or that brand of tissues and why? Those kind of discussions are very helpful and can be kind of interesting, particularly for young kids. Indeed. And I like the idea of doing it on a more constant basis. It doesn't have to be this big special occasion that you're talking to them about money. You're doing it constantly over the course of everyday life, as you say. And that way it doesn't feel as pressured and this big talk that you might have about some of those other issues. So that's such a smart tip. Wondering what is the most important lesson to teach our kids in elementary school. So if you wanted to teach them one financial lesson for that age group, what one would you pick? Right. I would say a very basic one is that you have to wait. You have to wait. As a kid, you learn, you know, in first and second grade, you have to wait for your birthday or you have to wait for holidays to come or vacation time or a chance at a ride in an amusement park. You also have to wait and save up for things that you want. And getting that drilled into your kid, whether it also entails opening a bank account with them and saying, here's a great place to wait and save up for something you want, or then maybe moving to an online bank that has a higher interest rate. You know, those kind of conversations are really really think all stem out of the idea of saving up for something you really want. I love that. Delayed gratification is an important lesson there to you learn. Go. We don't get it. Everything we want all the time, even though in this really tech-savvy world, sometimes it's hard to believe that. But I, I yeah. think there's a real value in that. High school, what, what, what piece of financial advice do we need to impart to our high schoolers? I think for high school, I would say, first off, talking about college, end of eighth grade, beginning of ninth grade, parents get worried, ah, it's going to stress them out. But the fact is they're already thinking about college because their school is talking to them early on about college. Ninth grade, grades start to count. So I think 
as parents looking at what are we going to be expected to pay for college and in my book I have a whole list of different websites you can go to like the FAFSA forecaster you get a sense of what you'll be expected to pay and then you can start having conversations with your kid well this is what we think we can pay and we know we're going to find a school that you're going to like, but we're going to find affordable. And you could start looking at schools where your kid is at the top of the heap for applications, and they may be willing to give you more financial aid or merit money. So starting those conversations and starting your own research early really makes it so much less stressful as the years go on. What about college? Because I would think at college, it's kind of tough to be teaching your kids anything. They're already on their own for the most part. Yeah, I would say don't. You know, try to encourage your kid not to get a credit card until, say, junior year or so. And I think, first off, freshman year has all kinds of challenges and it's new for kids. And uh, the rules say now that you can't get a credit card unless you're uh, 21 years old or you have income or you co-sign with a parent. So definitely do not co-sign a credit card with your kid. Oh, right, because you're on the hook for that if they don't pay and the kids Exactly. Yeah, that, that could be really messy. Talking about, I'm wondering what a big financial mistake parents make when talking to their kids about money? Is there a biggie that you you see or you hear about often that you say, well, that's not a good way to teach? I think um, one of my one of my particular pet peeves, and this is kind of a picky one on my part, but it's uh, people who are a bit savvier about money and they say, I'm going to give my kid uh, his own brokerage account. You know, when he's 16 or 18, I'm going to give them $1,000 or more than that and have them play around in the stock market. And while that might be a good way to get a kid certainly interested, I think what happens is if your kid does really well, he decides, I'm the next Warren Buffett. I'm a genius. I can do this for a living. Or uh, if he doesn't do well, he thinks, "Ah, I'm not really good at this. I'm never going to invest again. I'm a real believer in index funds. And it might not sound quite as sexy. But I think explaining the concept of that to a teenager and saying, we're going to you know, open an S&P 500 index fund, and this is why, and you could watch it go up and down, and, or, an e, or an ETF, um, exchange traded fund, one of those, I think, really serves the better purpose of teaching the idea of diversification and investing in the market for the long term. That's a great tip. What if you're Thanks. a parent and saying, you know what? I'm not so good with money myself. I've had my own financial issues, whether it's overspending or just not, I'm not really that savvy about investing. What do you say to those parents who still want to teach their kids, but feel like they may not be the the best person to do it? Right. I think you just got to get over it. Um, I think that, you know, it'd be like, well, I don't really like reading novels. So I'm not going to teach my kids to read or I'm not going to read to them. You know, it's just one of those things that you have to put aside whatever your past is about money or even if it's your present about money. And I think by, you know, learning yourself, whether it's reading my book or reading other material out there that talks to parents how to teach their kids about money, while you're teaching them, you're also learning it yourself. You know, what really is compound interest or how does inflation work really or, you know, why is credit card debt a bad thing and should I pay it off? All those lessons, I think, are important ones for us as parents to learn and tell our kids. And we don't have to go into deep stories about, oh, I'm a real screw up and I still am. You know, you you can just kind of use it as use uh, perhaps your experiences, but more importantly, you know, use anecdotes and stories possibly about people you know to teach lessons to your kids. It makes it more interesting. But the bottom 
bottom line is getting over your own baggage and just pushing forward with your kids. I like the idea of you teaching it to learn it. There's that saying that you often uh, way to really learn something is to teach it. So I think you hit on that really nicely. Oh, thanks. Sure. Yeah. Wondering, some of our listeners will say, you know, we're fortunate, we're we're wealthy, for lack of a better word, or we're rich, and Mm -hmm. our kids may notice that, and they may ask Mm -hmm. us, you know, mom, dad, are we rich? I'm wondering, where do you stand on that? What do you say to the kids when they're looking around and they're seeing how they're different from their peers, and they want to know, are we rich? How much do you make, mom and dad? What do you say to those questions? Right. Well, I think it also, uh, it really depends upon the age of your kid. But I think in general, it's fine to say, you know what, we are so lucky. And what we're most lucky about is we have a home over our head and we have food on our table. And, you know, if it's a young child, you could explain, or maybe a elementary school kid, you know, there's something called the median income. That means sort of the, the middle range, um, not even exactly the average, but the middle range of what uh, a family will earn. And we earn more than that. And that's very lucky for us. Um, But we also live in an area that the homes can be very expensive or the homes are inexpensive or you could just start getting into a general discussion. I don't think you need to put and you shouldn't really put numbers on it necessarily until a kid is much older. And even then, you know, it depends upon the situation. I think making clear to kids what your values are, you know, what what is important to you that becomes obvious to them or in the reverse situation if they say oh this family gets to go on this vacation and we can't do that you're like yeah but you know we do that summer camping trip every year and that's really a lot of fun or you know just putting it at a level that a kid understands that you understand what they're asking about but this is how you view the world and these are your values and I think you know by saying those things and also, you know, practicing what you preach. If you're ha- holding four shopping bags from, you know, a fancy boutique in each hand, then it can be a difficult, <laughs> you know, thing to be persuasive about. But really I think it's through. just having those conversations uh, and keeping it age appropriate is important. That's great. Age appropriate and context really matters. Thank you yes. so much, Beth. Would you stick around and take our fun financial quiz? Sure. Great. Thanks. You stick around too. This episode is brought to you by Vanta. Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging. Vanta's trust management platform helps you quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, and more. Plus, save time by completing security questionnaires with Vanta AI. Learn how by watching Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com wsj. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash W-S-J. Keep tabs on the markets. Listen to WSJ's Money Beat podcast for straight talk on Wall Street. That's right on the money. WSJ podcasts. Listen ambitiously. This is Watching Your Wealth from the Wall Street Journal. Now, from our studios in New York, here's Veronica Dagger. We're back with best-selling author Beth Kobliner, who's ready to take our fun financial quiz. Beth, you ready? I think so. All right. What's the best financial advice you ever heard? Uh, put your money into a, a 401k that is matching. Nice. Worst financial advice you ever heard? Uh, uh, 
I've heard people say it's good to carry uh, credit card debt to build your credit report or your credit score, and that's not true. Yikes, no. Fill in the blank. Money can buy? Um, stuff. Fill in the blank. Money can't buy? Love. True. If you want a million dollars after tax, what would you do with it? Probably give part of it away, save part of it, and figure out some way to spend maybe 10% of it. Nice. So much fun. Thank you so much for joining us, Beth. Thank you. And be sure to check out Beth's new book, How to Make Your Kid a Money Genius. Do you have a personal finance question you'd like us to answer? Email us at podcast at dowjones.com. This has been Watching Your Wealth, a production of the Wall Street Journal. I'm Veronica Dagger. For more information, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts. Become a subscriber on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and now look for us on the Google Play Music app on Android devices. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com.